BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. In Louisiana, a man is arrested for the murder of a missing person after a month of driving her around in his car in Oklahoma. A third grade teacher is arrested for being drunk on the first day of school. And in Wisconsin, an olive garden is in some hot water after a man finds more than a fly in his soup. These stories and more coming at you today, Friday, August 25th on Real Life Real Crime Daily. And I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Everton. And I'm Mike Agavino, and I am having this deja vu feeling like, <laughs> oh, it's not a deja vu feeling. We did just record this entire episode and find out that for some reason we lost Woody's mic in the beginning of the episode. And so you'd have a, we should release it. It's a great episode of me. And Jim, and then two and three minute gaps where there's no noise while Woody was talking. That's right. We should, we should see what that does to our download numbers if we release that episode. Now, if it would have been, uh, if it would have been Mike that was muted, we just would have went ahead and that released been, it. That could have been the number one episode of all time if we'd have done that. Right. Oh man. Well, well, at least I didn't talk over you in that episode. That's all that lost. That's, lost in space <laughs> and, and six years of podcasting. I've lost like four episodes and, and now it's five, but that's all good. We're about to make the crime time happen anyway. That's well, right. we, we are, but let me tell you something. You two guys, you poked the bear yesterday. You poked the bear and I am Jim sees what I'm doing right now. He's flipping a coin. y'all. Oh God. Okay, so here it is. I heard from Julio, who is the national captain of Coin Boys in the U.S. He was very disturbed by your accusations that they are nerds, and I think you even called them the P-word at some point. I did. One of you did, or maybe even both of you did. And they want to match. They want to have at it. They'll... Box, they'll wrestle. They'll, there's over 11,500 members in this area, apparently. And so they mean business. And you guys have been challenged to, uh, to put them up. Okay. Well, the, I'm going to say that I'm almost 54 years old. And if they want to come around me, they're going to spring leaks. Uh, but it won't be from a coin, it'd be from bullet holes. How about that? There you go. Coin boy, have it be known. Freaking coin boy. The hand-to-hand combat was not an option, and and the coin boys are uh, 
are men of peace. So, <laughs> so they live they are, life they, by the coin. They live by the coin. They die by the coin, but they do not use weapons. It is hand to hand combat. So, I guess that won't be that won't be happening. I'll I'll relay that to Julio. A quick correction retraction. I botched a very important person's name yesterday, and I have to undo that wrong. And she's one of our inaugural aglets, so I especially have to get it right. And that is Ruthie Cox Dure, who I should have known. Door wouldn't be the proper pronunciation of her last name, but I, I blew that one. I also blew Maria Weeks Berthelot's name, and uh, there's a fix on that. So, sorry, ladies, your names have been corrected. Jerry Ann's headed to North Carolina today to pick up two new doggies for us, which will make three in my house. We lost one in January. We have one that is uh, 14. And, uh, you know, at this point in his life, I need to start thinking about maybe not having him that much longer. And when you get to that point, as sad as it is with a pet, we've got some friends that can help you by providing a really important service for when you get to that point. And that is our friends up at Louisiana Pet Crematory and Louisiana uh, Funeral Services and Parish Forensics. Our pals, uh, Kristen, Kristen and Roy, have taken good care of a number of you. And for uh, me, it won't be too much longer before I'll have to call upon them again. But when you do... Know that they have a uh, great selection of ways to honor uh, your family pet and uh, and keep that pet forever in a prominent place with uh, uh, a bunch of choices that are really really nice with uh, urns and and other keepsake boxes and and uh, and things that are just really well done professionally done as is the website which has been improved that's lapetcrematory.com. And uh, uh, Woody, you have some thoughts about autopsies as well. Yeah, I do. I get the request uh, or you know, people email me about their family members and they're being deceased or you know, they think maybe they were murdered or whatever and the police aren't doing their job, et cetera. Uh, Parish Forensics, y'all, is the only place in the state of Louisiana that does private autopsies. You, can, you have a right have your loved one examine and they're professional. So the, the, the forensic pathologist is, a, you know, that's the only place you can get it done in the state of Louisiana and, and they'll treat you right. Uh, Roy and, and two Christians and their whole staff. Um, it, yeah, nobody wants to have to use that service, but that's the only place in the state of Louisiana you can get it done and they're going to do it correctly. Parish forensic. And Louisiana Pet Crematory underneath the giant American flag in Broussard, Louisiana, y'all. Y'all know the tagline, boys. What is it? Rest easy. easy. All right, we're going to get into some crime time, and we're taking you right here at home to the state of Louisiana on Sunday, August 20th. The Calicashu Parish Sheriff's Office uh, deputies were dispatched to a residence in reference to a missing person identified as Sheila Ortega, 72, of Lake Charles. Family members of Ortega advised deputies they had not spoken to her 
in approximately a month. And on Monday, August 21st, during the missing person investigation, detectives located Ortega's SUV in a mall parking lot with her body located inside. She was deceased. Detectives located a person of interest. That was Christopher Carter, 41 of Lake Charles, who was an acquaintance of Ortega at a nearby business. Now, when detectives spoke to Carter, he advised deputies he killed Ortega about a month earlier. Carter also admitted to detectives to opening several loans using Ortega's information after her death. Carter was arrested and booked into the Calicashu Correctional Center and charged with second-degree murder. We have seen some strange cases here in Calicashu Parish, but this case is definitely an unusual one for us. We have never seen anyone drive around with a dead body in an SUV for 30 days. This from Sheriff Tony Mancuso. My prayers go out to the family and friends of Miss Sheila. This is a senseless and inhumane tragedy. The body has been sent off for further testing and to determine the cause of death. Imagine they've Absolutely. never smelled one that's been around for 30 days either. Absolutely unbelievable. And, and for a body to be in a vehicle when it's a we're having the hottest summer we've ever had, ever, on the, in, in, in history. And he drove around for 30 days? I, I don't insane. get it. And, and according to Coco's case, she was in the, in the vehicle in October, and it was only in the 80s outside. And when they dumped her in, in Winnie, Texas, uh, when the investigators first got to her body, they, they thought she must have been dead for weeks because of the advanced state of decomposition because it gets that hot inside the vehicles and trunk, uh, the trunk areas. It's like an oven. It's so 30 days. I mean, and, and just like in her case, they were able to prove that, um, a separate vehicle was used to dump her because not her car, because the, uh, forensic pathologist said there's no way you could have rode around in the, in that car with her body decomposed like that to smell. You, you couldn't have done it. You know? I don't know how the hell this guy did it. Absolutely unbelievable. And um, and so hopefully her family, uh, at least now, they they do have uh, possession of her of her remains and all those sorts of things. Right. I can't yeah, I can't I, stand the smell of the live bodies of my two sons this summer in the hundred and ten yeah. degree heat. So uh, yeah, yeah. Right. that well, is scary. I don't. That is a. a very bizarre. I, I mean, we're probably going to hear some more about it. But, y'all, um, you know, my wife used to be a teacher before she became CEO for Real Life Real Crime. Yep. Uh, she taught fifth grade. And I can pretty much assure you she never did this. We're going to go to Oklahoma, where a third grade teacher has been arrested for being drunk on the job. All right. Kimberly Coke. 53, was teaching her class at Perkins Tyrone Intermediate School in Oklahoma, and she was taken out of her classroom on the first day of term to meet with the school superintendent and a police officer. The entire discussion was captured on video. Perkins Police Department released body cam footage Tuesday of the meeting with Coach, showing the allegedly intoxicated teacher meeting with school administrators and law enforcement. In the body cam footage, Ogle accused Coates of acting weird and being off. And she was asked, 
if she would consider taking a breath test. Agreeing to the breathalyzer, Coates also tried to excuse her behavior by claiming she had taken anxiety medication. She said she was unable to present the bottle of medication because she put the anxiety pill in her pocket and had taken it earlier in the day. She then blew, get this, a 0.24, which is three times the legal driving limit of 0.08. Coach, she was fucked up, y'all. And Coach was then asked if she left campus that day and whether there would be any traces of consumed alcohol in her classroom. She said she hadn't left school, but did not answer the, the other questions. Um, the officer asked Coates if she drank often, at which point she responded, mm, unfortunately, yes, and that she was seeing a counselor about it. While Coates c- continued to maintain that the last time she drank was 3 a.m., Ogle asked whether in the office officer's expert opinion she was under the influence. Sergeant Gidon responded, in my honest opinion, I think she's probably a functioning alcoholic. He then checked her eyes. I asked her to focus on the pen as he moved it from side to side, and the officer concluded, yes, she's intoxicated. At this point, Ogle told Coach that she needs to have someone come pick her up and take her home. She refused to let him call her husband. Imagine that. A police report recorded a school officer saying, I noticed Kimberly had red, watery eyes and slurred speech. Kimberly had a hard time completing sentences. I know I've been, I know I've been having a hard time. Am I going to get fired? Coach asked. <laughs> Answering blunt, right? Answering bluntly, the superintendent responded, honestly, yes. Or you can resign. You're under influence at a school with kids. Still not admitting that she had been drinking since being at school. Coach questioned whether she could still be recording a high alcohol breath content after drinking last night. Now, listen, y'all. You already know. If you're asking that question, you're a lying motherfucker. You've been drinking a box out of your desk. But the answer was, unless you drank a shit ton, like 8 o'clock this morning, I don't know how you could still be that high, Sergeant Gidon responded. Coates continued to claim that she couldn't call her husband or a friend to pick her up, and the officer told her that he didn't want to have to humiliate her by making the arrest. Ogle then gathered her belongings for her and returned with a blue cap questioning, I'm sorry, a blue cup questioning what was contained in it. No more games, right? Ogle said, planning the couple of table. What's in that? She then claimed it was juice. But smelling the cup, the officer said, that there was wine. Want to try again? She was later told to put her hands behind her back, and she was cuffed and arrested, and she was booked into jail on a charge of public intoxication. So Isn't that crazy. So she, yeah. so she had a glass of wine going in the classroom. She was already at a point two four. Right. Right. I, I mean, and, 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 <laughs> let me tell you this: when when you reach a a point three zero. That's le- legally dead. They have to uh, take you to ambulance, you know, to the hospital by ambulance. And I told this story before. One night when I was off duty, I slammed like a case of beer as fast as I could, like an hour and a half. And then I went to blue on the machine at, at a lo- lo- local police department. And I, I had a buddy of mine drive me around. And I mean, I was almost blackout drunk, and I only blew a .14. So she was a whole 
whatever percentage higher than me, Matt's drunk, y'all. And hey, I guess she was having a good time teaching the kids. Well, those and those are third grade kids. It's not like a junior high or high school class where they have a clue what's maybe wrong with their teacher. I mean, there's no telling what she well, said in front of those kids. I mean, she had to scare them. I mean, to be at uh, at that know. blood alcohol level. Well, yeah, she she doesn't need to be teaching. be teaching. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. Well, let's go somewhere I don't think we've ever been to Russia. Mother, you do Russia. Russia. Jim's got to have a Russian accent. You don't do a Russian accent? Good day, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) That must be a a remote southern part of Russia, the (laughs) island, the Russian islands I don't know about. I have never never heard the mate thing go with the the Russians. No, I don't know Russian. Well, if you had taken, if you had given the points and taken Vladimir Putin in the fight against uh, Yevgeny uh, Prigozhin, you would have won and covered that bet. What am I talking about? Uh, Remember the leader of the mercenary group Wagner, his name, Yevgeny Prigozhin? Prigozhin was the former Putin chef who led a failed coup against Putin back in June. That was in the news pretty heavily for several days where there was at least some kind of chance that Putin's government might fall. CIA director Bill Burns predicted last month that Prigozhin had likely not heard the last of Putin, that, according to him, quote, Putin is someone who generally thinks that revenge is a dish best served cold. And in my experience, Putin is the ultimate apostle of payback. So I would be surprised if Prigozhin escapes further retribution for this. Prigozhin, we were told, had been living in exile in a military camp in Belarus. Well, as if out of a Tom Clancy novel, word came out Wednesday morning that an Embraer aircraft was shot down by air defenses in a remote region north of Moscow. The jet, which was flying from Moscow to St. Petersburg, was carrying Prigozhin and six other passengers and three crew. So they had to kill nine other people to get to him, the guy they really wanted to kill, which is pretty sad. Prigozhin had, uh, had led that failed mutiny against Russian armed forces back in June. Local residents heard two bangs before the crash and saw two vapor trails. The TASS news agency said the plane caught fire upon hitting the ground, adding that the bodies had already been found and that no one had survived the crash. The uh, aircraft had been in the air for less than half an hour, and uh, they're going to conduct a thorough investigation of the matter, they assure us. So I bet they will, right? That score got evened. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that investigation has already been concluded, and you don't you know, just fire missiles, air defense missiles by accident, right? So, good one. No surprise. Well, we'll bring you back stateside, and on Real Life Real Crime Daily, we like to keep you aware of scams. There's a lot of them going on out there, a lot of banking scams, but we're going to give you one from online ordering, and it's called a brushing scam. So have you ever received a package in the mail you didn't order? That sounds nice, especially when you didn't 
pay for the package you you receive. Well, experts are saying you could be a victim of a huge brushing scam. This is going around right now, and the issue with this scam is your personal information may be at risk. Now, the scam itself is nothing new. It's just gained in popularity. You may recall during the pandemic, people were getting like random seed packages in the mail. Uh, that was related. That was like in the infancy of the scam. Uh to tell you how uh, brushing works, brushing scams, they seem harmless. And sometimes people are even excited to get these packages in the mail they didn't order and didn't pay for. It's kind of like Christmas has arrived. You receive the packages, and the scammer gets a benefit out of that. Now, how do they benefit? Well, they're trying to cheat the online review system, which uh, skews searches on Amazon. So, Essentially, if a third-party seller sends items to someone, it makes what Amazon would call a verified purchase. That's kind of like a stamp of approval, and they can do a lot of things with that. They can go online and post positive reviews on your behalf, and if those comments start to add up, they can manipulate and skew a rating and review system to gain even more customers. They just start ranking higher when you search for deodorant or whatever it is you're looking for. Right. If you get a random package, notify the retailer. And, you know, if it's Amazon, give them a, a call, let them know. If it's Walmart, same thing. Uh, change your passwords, report it, monitor your bank accounts because they do definitely have your name and address, and there's no telling what else they may have. Now, as for the item you received, you may be happy to know that you can feel free to keep it. The Federal Trade Commission says you have a legal right to keep unordered merchandise. So um, some people out there may be listening and saying, hey, I want to be the victim of a brushing scam. And, yeah, right. and it does sound great, but the problem is you don't know what information aside from your address and name that these people may have. It may be as innocent as they're just trying to manipulate the system and boost, boost the rating, or they may just be testing you to see if they can then get you know bank account information out of you. Yeah, pretty crazy. And, and the rating thing is a real deal. Y'all know how hard it is to, to get somebody to take the time to actually leave a review. Uh, I, over five, what, six years in real life, real crime, I think we're uh, in. Even after hitting number one in the world, we still only have like 4,000 something reviews. And the biggest shows in the world generally don't have much higher than that. So I guess it's a, a return on investment. Uh, uh, and uh, like, I know it jumps them up, like you said, in, in the search engine on uh you know the more positive reviews they have that's right crazy there uh, interesting all right well you boys like wally world walmart i don't I, i'm not a huge fan but i i go there when i have to i was in the cleanest walmart i've ever seen in fort worth last week really? huge and sparkling yeah. yeah no it was unbelievably clean the, uh, I had to go last week myself, and, and I, mean, I, I avoided like the plague normally. But I'm going to take you to Alabama and tell you one guy that did not avoid Walmart. And so this guy was a city councilman in Alabama for Huntsville City Council. His name was Devin Keith. And guess what? He's just pled guilty to two counts of misdemeanor shoplifting. So in 
he's a Huntsville City Council member in the second term, and he agreed to a plea deal just as his trial was set to begin on Tuesday. He was arrested in February and charged with four counts of shoplifting. He stole merchandise from three different Walmart stores in Huntsville. And again, I'm going to say this. How big is Huntsville that it has three Walmarts? I don't even think Baton Rouge has three Walmarts. But the two of the charges were dropped as part of the deal, and he'll pay uh, 465 in restitution for the amount from all four cases. So he stole four times for a total of 465, right? And they gave him a, a 90-day suspended sentence and two-year probation uh, for the for the first charge, and for the second charge, he was given 180 days of sentencing and 50 hours of community service, and naturally, he's also permanently banned from Walmart, uh, they, and, and the deputy district attorney said, hey, we treated him just like we treated anybody else, it didn't matter if he was city councilor or not, and that if he finishes his probation without any violations, he won't go to jail if he violates it. And he goes to jail if he gets arrested again. Has to do that time. Um, when he gets up to give his, his to address the court, when you plead guilty, you have to say what you did. This is how he minimizes. It. He said, "Accountability is important to me." Uh, he read as part of a lengthy statement following the hearing. He said, "I have nothing but respect towards the state and Walmart representatives." Now, the now that the agreement was reached today, it acknowledges that I was negligent and I was careless in scanning my items, and that, in fact, makes me wrong. So, he's, I mean, he's whatever, right? I mean, minimize it however you want to, but he was elected to Huntsville City Council in October 2016 and re-elected in 2020, uh, and it's not clear how this will affect his future on the council, uh, well, I bet he won't be there very long. Well, you know how temperamental right. those scanners are. I'm sure that it was perfectly innocent I, on his part, and he thought the scanner had picked it up, and it yeah. just happened that it fell into his bag without going through the scanner. Four, four, four separate times at three <laughs> different Walmart. At three different Walmart. I, personally, I've never used those scanners. I want, any, I know the lines are long and all of that, but. I want somebody to scan my shit for me. I, I don't do electronics, obviously, as proven earlier today. <laughs> I, I would but, say I would say my track record is about fifty percent of the time there's a problem and somebody's got to come right. over anyway because yeah. an item won't scan or uh, right. the you know, something isn't working properly. So uh, you're yeah. probably not right. losing time by by going through the regular line. Right. Yes, indeed. Walmart. Well, we are going to our favorite place, guys. Pinellas, Pinellas County. An employee. You're not going to believe this one. Uh, An employee of a Florida coffee shop is accused of taking his workplace's name a bit too literally. The name of the place, We Spy Coffee and More is a Java joint serving coffee in Greek specialties in a town called Tarpon Springs, which is in Pinellas County. The town is known for its large Greek-American population. And our 
criminal in this case is a Greek American by the name of Spyridon Volgarakis. And it appears the more in the business's name, the We Spy Coffee and More, also encompasses men using its bathroom. According to a Tarpon Springs police report, the victim, a victim discovered a camera underneath the sink in the men's restroom and confronted Volgarakis, who is not only an employee, he's also a partner in the business. They, they encountered Volgarakis about it, and then the man contacted the police. Officers arrested Volgarakis on Saturday. They say he admitted to setting up the camera and recording men as they used the men's bathroom. Um, and, uh, you know, apparently there was no camera in the ladies' bathroom. This was uh, – uh, this was Volgarakis on his own doing this. He's charged with battery and video voyeurism. Right. I mean, what do you, in a men's bathroom, what kind of angle do you think you get? I mean, either you're pooping or you're peeing. If you're peeing, you're probably facing away. And if you're pooping, maybe they see your kneecaps. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I, I took it as... Uh, there's a urinal, so you're facing it, and the camera was facing yeah. you as you're facing the urinal. So I think yeah. he was getting his own D-shots, if uh, I'm understanding correctly. Uh, so Maybe he, he got a lot of explaining to do, and the Pinellas cops, once again, are dealing with some some strange people. Well, we'll Pinellas County. We'll go from one uh, strange person to another. And that is BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. Dennis Ryder is back in the news. Oklahoma investigators were in Kansas on Tuesday. As officials say, they are investigating missing persons and murder cases, which may be tied to serial killer Dennis Ryder, who's also known as BTK for his preference to bind, torture, and kill his victims. Ryder confessed to killing 10 people, after being arrested in 2005, investigators were back at Raider's former Park City, Kansas property Tuesday to follow up on leads of murders and missing people, which may be tied to the serial killer. Uh, County Sheriff's Office uh, investigators are continuing to follow leads in unsolved missing persons and murder cases that they believe are related and the investigation is ongoing. I still have investigators out in the field, so I can't comment any further. That from under Sheriff Gary Upton. The search spiraled from the investigation into Cynthia Dawn Kinney, a 16-year-old cheerleader who was last seen leaving a relative's laundromat on June 23, 1976. Prison guards seized Raiders' belongings during a meeting with cold case investigators. And the theory is... He could have placed evidence in cases under stone pavers under the metal shed that he built in the mid-90s. Uh, think of it like putting driver's licenses in jars and then digging a hole in the ground. Uh, trophies. That's right. Those trophies and, and serial killers, you know, they got to keep it. They got to keep something. And that was his thing. Uh, investigators have dug a hole where that shed used to be. 
Rader had previously denied involvement in the cold case and said he was done speaking to investigators, but he did say he enjoyed meeting with them, uh, which is, you know, I include that because that shows you how crazy this guy is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's psychopathic narcissistic. Man. He's, he's getting to relive it. They're questioning him and he's denying it, but he's, thinks he's the smartest person in the room and all that he gets off on it basically that's right and uh they also are you know trying to link and find evidence in the disappearance of shauna garber she went missing on halloween in 1990 so btk back in the news yeah i, I never believe that he stopped uh for intermittent period you know but but, yeah, but again he he believed that he was so much smarter than investigators, et cetera. That's when he started sending the letters and all that stuff. He, he's like telling them, right? Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you know, what, what comes out of that. Uh, I, I don't I don't know why he didn't have the death penalty. Evidently, they don't have it in Kansas. But all right. So I'll tell you one police officer that will not be working on BTK's case. And Illinois police officer has been decertified by the state for stealing a shirt from a mall 15 years ago, a crime she has been open about since becoming an officer. Zena Ramos, 38, is no longer allowed to work as a police officer anywhere in the country after the Illinois Law Enforcement Training and Standards Board decertified her from the, for a 2008 incident in which she stole a $14.99 shirt from the mall. I took responsibility for my actions, and the motion Ramos told reporters on Tuesday. The charges against Ramos were dropped, but the incident resurfaced earlier this year when she left the Cicero Police Department to work for the Riverside Police Department. She had only been with the Riverside PD for two months, when the state board decertified her for the theft she committed when she was 23. Uh, the Cook County's uh, state attorney told Fox News that Ramos was placed on the do not call list after the board notified the office of the decertification. The board released a statement saying, in part, that pursuant to the Police Training Act and amendments made by the Safety Act, y'all, that's all capital. SAFE and then Dash T Act. Um, it has a continuing duty to ensure all sworn law enforcement officers are free of any disqualifying criminal offenses as provided by the statute. Ramos Ball said her openness about her past is one of the reasons why he wants to hire her. It is very difficult to talk about because it is something that she has worked so hard to get fixed. The uh, Public Safety Director Matthew Buckley said, but that's the kind of person I want working here in Riverside because in Riverside, we give second chances and we work with people. Yes, she made a mistake in 2008, but what she has done since that date is the most important part. Over the last 15 years, Zena has worked tirelessly to better herself. She's gone to school and studied criminal justice and state rep. Uh, LaShawn Ford and the Riverside Village Board have asked state officials to reverse the decision. This incident happened because of a $14.99 situation at the mall at J.C. Penney. And I believe where she received the misdemeanor, Ford said. 
Ramos is no longer working as a police officer, but she was reassigned to another job in the village of Riverside. So, y'all, I mean, if, first of all, they, you know, whoever was paid for her to get her initial certification in Louisiana, they call it post. But then, all on the job training, and then 15 years of experience, you can't buy that. I mean, they, you can't put a price tag on that. But they just did it for a fourteen dollar and ninety nine cent item from JC Penny, what twelve, fifteen years ago. Crazy. Can yeah. I mean this is really hard to believe this is real. We're talking about Chicago, a city right. that's down more than a thousand officers from where they're supposed to be. They can't get right. people to sign up to uh, train to be on the force and this one, I mean, how could she have been uh, more contrite? How could she have uh, sort of worn the uh, the badge uh, of honor that goes with having admitted something like this and taken all the necessary steps to overcome it? She's she's got her superiors who have supported her and are writing these big compliments about her, and in a city with crime running rampant. They on a <laughs> on some ridiculous uh, rule that they've they've probably sidestepped in the in the past can't find a way to do that for this woman. I mean that's just it's tragic. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's a, it's a waste of a career. Evidently, you know she's going to get off her and fifteen years of experience. That's just stupid. And that thing is a national thing, so she couldn't go to Detroit and be a coach. Uh, no, not, that she would have to go to the academy again. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they block you and they, they report it nationally, but I don't, as far as I, don't, I know, there's no national certification. It's state by state. But you, you, if you go to another state, they have to reciprocate. Uh, I guess. Yeah, if she went to another state, then that state's going to ask the Illinois board, and they're like, no, she's cock-blocked, right? And uh, don't hire her because she stole a $14.99 item from JCPenney. Whatever. Wow. That's sad. That's really sad. Let's go to Wisconsin, where a man is suing the Olive Garden restaurant for allegedly serving him a rat's foot in his minestrone soup. Mm. And just in case you're wondering, no, the rat's foot is not a normal part of the recipe <coughs> of the Olive Garden minestrone soup. Hey, hey, Tastes hey, like chicken. Hey, Mike. Yep. Right. Mike, how do you say minestrone in Italian? Uh, <laughs> minestrone. Where's <laughs> hey, that a stone? 40% off you. <laughs> good good plug, Woody. I don't think they have Olive Gardens in Italy. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, Thomas Howie, he's 54 years old, this guy, was at dinner with two friends in the Olive Garden in Warren, Michigan, uh, back in March. So he's from Wisconsin, but he was eating at a Olive Garden in Warren, Michigan. He claims he felt a sharp object stab his cheek as he was starting to chew a spoonful and he was left horrified. So he spit out a mouthful of food. The culprit he said was a fur covered claw, 
which he immediately photographed and showed to staffers. But he said employees blew him off and even mocked him at one point, which we'll talk about. He filed a police report and brought the rat's foot to the local police department and now has filed a lawsuit demanding $75,000 in damages, Olive Garden's denying any wrongdoing. I took a bite, felt something stab me inside my cheek. It felt like a needle, how he uh, told WITI-TV. I lunged and choked. And then I threw it all up into a napkin. And then my stomach just heaved again, and I threw up right in the restaurant. I was mortified. After allegedly vomiting on the restaurant floor, one of his friends asked the manager, the suit claims, uh, who allegedly responded by trying to take the claw, uh, the contaminated claw, uh, away. The, the manager came to try to take it from them, uh, and the guy wouldn't let him have it. A second staffer, also believed to be a manager, then responded and offered the group a bunch of jokes and snide comments. So he wasn't taking the thing seriously at all. He apparently uh, you know, acted astonished and dismissive of the discovery and at one point said, that's funny. We don't even put meat in the minestrone. And so uh, the suit goes on to assert that the foot, which Howie has been keeping in his freezer uh, for evidence, left a cut in Howie's mouth, spurring him to call cops before rushing to an urgent care facility. The suit, which was filed on August 18th, goes on to state that officers actually physically arrived at the Olive Garden. Uh, They investigated and that several gagged upon seeing uh, Howie's hairy hindrance. The police report uh, that was filed said that first responders remarked that the foot still inside the napkin appeared to have been chewed. After leaving the report with officers, Howie sought medical treatment at that nearby urgent care. Uh, He received a tetanus shot and was prescribed antibiotics. He also received uh, much-needed mouth rinse after chewing the unsanctioned appetizer, but adds he still has a bad taste in his mouth over the whole ordeal. So we shall see wow. what happens. But getting a rat's what, what, claw. What, the big question is, where's the rest of the fucking rat? Right. Uh, is that they like the rat just dropped the claw off in, in the Mediterranean. They had to cook the whole thing. and There's got to be bones and I mean, bones don't cook away uh, no matter how long you cook them. Well, I think there right. might have been a few servings of rat parmigiana that day that uh, that got by right. everybody. I don't know. but yeah. So gross. Yeah. What's the, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of the grossest thing that I ever in a restaurant. I mean, you know, you'll find a hair, a bug maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That uh, rat looks pretty bad. That, yeah, I mean, totally. that's... Uh, that's enough to shake you up for a while. So, uh, right. Surprise! He's only asking right. for seventy-five grand. Yeah. yeah. Well, I he, am too. He deserves it. Ugh. He deserves it. You can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. Hey, hey! It's a mile high crime for Friday. And an American Airlines flight headed to New York City from Miami was forced to divert to Jacksonville, Florida, after someone sprayed pepper spray. A spokesman for the FAA said the incident happened Sunday on an American Airlines flight from Miami to New York. And the spokesman said the flight needed to be diverted to Jacksonville in Florida after someone inadvertently sprayed that pepper spray on the plane. 
The aircraft was cleaned after the diversion and continued to New York City's LaGuardia Airport. Now, pepper spray is a banned substance to possess as a carry-on item inside planes. However, you can have up to four fluid ounces of mace or pepper spray uh, in your check baggage as long as there's a safety mechanism attached to prevent discharge. So I know, Woody, you've got some experience with pepper spray. That, of course, it's called freeze plus pee when you use yeah, it. What, say, tell us about that's, that. That's, that's pepper spray on steroids, uh, pepper spray with uh, uh, tear gas mixed in, and it's simply the greatest controlling tool in the world, if you will. And on the force continuum, right after you get someone direct verbal commands, and then I used to really love, this would sound bad, but I love to spray females, because I'd <laughs> say, turn around, turn around, put your hands behind your back, and like, fuck you, I'm not doing it, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put my hands on you, let's say it's unsexual, I'll just take this spray out, give them that tea across the eyes and the forehead, and you know, for the first 30 seconds, so it really starts to burn, and they're like, oh, that's not bad, and then about the second 30 seconds, the eyes involuntarily swell shut, and it makes them feel like they're drowning, they can't breathe, and it's not flying, and you're totally incapacitated. But I can't, you know, having that go off on a plane, but even though it was just regular pepper spray, that's still bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they got into the cabin, and, uh, uh, the pilots or whatever, and who's going to land a plane if you can't see? Yeah. I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't even have thought you could carry that in your in your care in your checked luggage, but apparently, apparently you can. Right. Uh, yeah, so. I guess they figure if it, I guess they figure if it blows up underneath the plane, you know, it's not in the, the recirculated air. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. It's a look in an enclosed environment like that. Pepper spray yeah, go off. It uh, you know because it don't only blind you, it chokes you to death, right, and, right. Uh, and that's that's not a good thing at all. Right. So. Yeah. And I always said it's the gift that keeps on giving because after you spray them with it, that should last, you know, 45 minutes. You, you'd be lucky to open your eyes and look, you, you can't, you, you try to open it and it hurts so bad. That, uh, uh, it feels like getting pounded in the face with hot bricks. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. But very, very effective tool. That was Absolutely. a good one, Jimmy. Thank you. You can now take off that belt. And move freely around the cabin. Yeah, that's my favorite part of that story. Right? There you like, go. There you go. Oh, shh. Oh, is it kinky yeah. prime time already? It is kinky prime time. Kinky prime time for Friday. And I'm, I go, I got to go out in front of this one and, and say I'm stepping into your territory. Let's see you just have to cut me some slack on this one. No, 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 right. no. Segment Trump's geography. Read your read right, your well, bylaws, yeah. man. That's, read your bylaws. Yeah, you're okay. clean on this. Have, Jim Jim violated mind. earlier in the week, but but you're good. <laughs> I, I will not be All filing right. any objections. This one's really going to trump it. So here it goes. The heart wants what the heart wants, and what David Truscott's heart wants is cow manure. What? Started in 2000. Yeah, it sounded in like 2000. a Hallmark card right, right, right. Well, until the cow came in. 
started in 2005, Truscott, who was in his mid-30s, began visiting a farm in Red Roof, Cornwall, in the United Kingdom. At first, he would just take the manure with him. However, that didn't fulfill his burning desire, so he started rolling around in it and smearing the cow poop on himself while performing sex acts, right? Oh, my God. It gets better. So he was arrested. And he received a jail time, but not just in 2005. He was arrested again in 2009 for doing it and again in 2011. So the people at the farm tried to stop Truscott from coming back in by removing the manure from the field and putting up, uh, I guess this is barricade, y'all, ball, ball art, I don't even know what that means. Uh, but this only infuriated Truscott. So in 2013, now he's been in jail three times for this already. In 2013, he threatened to kill them, and he set the farm on fire. And the blaze killed one calf, and Truscott, who is has an autism spectrum disorder, was arrested and sentenced to 10 years this time, y'all, where he will see psychiatric treatment. And when he is released, there will be a strict restraining order for him to stay away from the farm. Oh, my God. Right? <laughs> I wonder if it was just one cow that poop that he was attracted to or all of them. Yeah. They make all Maybe. types. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, this, this story definitely proves that. Yeah. That's Kiki, Kiki Crimes for Friday. That was a good one, Woody Everton. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Freaky, freaky. How about some banjos, Jim? Banjos. Let's go to Daytona Beach, Florida. Daytona police asked, what are you doing up there? To William Hodge, age 32. Hodge advised, I'm teaching it a lesson. That's according to Daytona Beach police officer Molly Ballou. It, in this case, was a young alligator. The lesson Hodge was trying to teach it was how to fly. Hodge was trying to throw the live alligator onto the roof of a building. (laughs) Hodge had hopped a fence at a place called the Congo River Miniature Golf and stolen the gator from an enclosure inside of the miniature golf course. So I guess they had an enclosure there where they had a bunch of gators. It seems kind of a weird right. spot to have a bunch of gators. but uh, And somehow the guy went in and came out with a gator. The gator was about two feet long. I don't know how old the gator that would be. I got like a couple of years old, right? He then, right. Yeah, he, yeah. He then decided to take the gator to, you know, they have those, Florida's got those weird things. I think they're called ABCs where there are bars and liquor stores. They're merged, they're together as one. You know what I'm talking about? Any yeah, of our yeah, Florida yeah. listeners know. But, uh, and that's where he attempted to throw it up on the roof inside of that bar liquor store. After only hitting the awning uh, of the bar, he grabbed the alligator by the tail put it over his shoulder and threw it to the ground and stomped on it twice. This is according to police. And right as he was doing that, 
the officers showed up on the scene. He uh, he put the creature down and raised his hands and surrendered to police on the spot. Afterwards, while they, they put him in a holding cell, he ends up balling up toilet paper and clogging the toilet in the cell in an attempt to flood the police station. Uh, crazy. This guy was taken to uh, Volusia County Jail after his processing. He remains there today. The alligator survived this, is alive, uh, and the extent of its injuries are unclear but don't appear to be life-threatening. William Hodge, you are a dumbass, and you deserve some banjos. What a dumb criminal. <laughs> I wish that alligator tore his ass up. Ooh. Yeah. Alligator tossing. New in the Olympics. Coming up. How about that? All right. So, look, I'm starting to like this segment because we talk about some heavy stuff here on, you know, it's real and raw. Uh, crime is not a, a pretty thing, but uh, the super cops you know, these guys are out there doing doing good things every day, and we're going to tell you about one in particular today, uh, a deputy responding to a domestic dispute at a Denver residence found an even bigger issue at hand, and that was hungry children. That deputy went above and beyond to help the family, which included a great-grandmother raising two children. During his near decade in law enforcement, Sheriff's Deputy Ryan Weiner often sees people in crisis. A lot of days, it's someone's worst day of their life, Wiener says. I see a lot of suffering. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of time to follow up because we're called to call to call. But there was one domestic disturbance he couldn't get out of his mind. Wiener responded to an apartment where 71-year-old Vicki Green was raising two young boys, and she and her partner had been arguing. Uh, she told me that the two boys went to bed hungry, and they woke up hungry as well. A cruel act had escalated that dispute. Her partner ate the last two hot dogs in the house that were supposed to be for the boys and made them just sit there and watch as he ate them. As a father and a parent, and just as a human being, uh, I just felt like that was so vengeful and mean. And in body cam video, Wiener can be heard speaking to Green. I'm real worried about your kids not having any food, he said. Instead of moving on to the next call, Wiener and his deputy partner went to a nearby grocery store. I just knew there was something that I could do, and I didn't want to leave uh, with those kids being hungry. When he returned, it was with a bag of groceries. Green was overcome with emotion. It was not just an obligation or a duty. I think he did it because he cared, Green said. He was a blessing, uh, and he was my blessing. So... Uh, great job, Sheriff Deputy Ryan Weiner from Denver. Absolutely. Colorado. Good man, Ryan. All, all heroes don't wear capes, huh? Some That's wear right. badges. And Hey, my, my niece is there in Denver. Go look him up and give that, that boy a hug. There you go. Buy him lunch on, on Woody. Buy him Jim lunch. and Mike. Yeah, that's How about right. that? That's right. That's a, that was you know, another good, good episode. That's right. Well, your niece does have your credit card there in Denver right now, doesn't she? <laughs> she she's doing that 
uh, that uh, package of delivery theft thing yeah. that we talked about earlier. <laughs> She's <laughs> Love it. Anyway. Love it. Well, we have come to the end of another episode, and we want to mention Our Rescue. Uh, go to OurRescue.com. You can get all the information that you uh that you'd ever care to know on how you can enter the fight to end human trafficking. Right. Uh, see something, say something, y'all. That's right. And hey. we love and appreciate each, love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. If, if you would go leave us a review and um, be sure to subscribe to the show. And, and if you have any ideas for stories or whatever, feel free to send them into us. And that's what all I got for today. The Mike coin has spoken. <laughs> the, <laughs> the coin, coin has spoken. Uh, well, on that thought, until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Kim Higdon and the Aglets. <laughs>